Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Dusty Jenkins is the head of global communications and public relations at Spotify. Dusty joined Spotify in late 2017 from Target, where she spent seven years culminating into the role of chief communications officer. In addition to being part of Provoke Media's Influence 100, Dusty has been recognized by Mashable as one of the 10 pioneering women changing the field of communications and was listed on PR Week's Global Power Book and also highlighted by Ad Age for 40 Under 40 in Marketing and PR Week's 40 Under 40 in Public Relations. In this conversation, Dusty and Lippy Taylor CEO Paul Dyer discuss internal and external communications in the era of COVID, as well as new and exciting advances advancements at Spotify, as well as the virtues of being press shy. Now, without further ado, here is Dusty Jenkins, head of global communications and public relations at Spotify. All right. Welcome back to Provoke Media's Influence 100 series. This is Paul Dyer from Lippy Taylor, and we're here today with Dusty Jenkins, who is the head of communications at Spotify. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to be speaking with you. So, Dusty, We are all working remotely during this COVID era, and you are in this unique and enviable position of being the head of communications at Spotify, which is, of course, one of the darlings of virtual business in this time in terms of uh, people who are relying on your service to stay connected and to stay sane in many ways. So I'm curious, based on where you sit, how has this affected the state of communications and what of that is permanent versus temporary? It's it's a great question and a great way to start. Um, Obviously, like everyone, Spotify has been impacted by COVID. I don't really think that anyone is immune from this. And normally, as a leader of a global team, I obviously see things, issues come up that impact a region or a market. Um, This one is very unique in that the whole world has been impacted. And so in terms of our business, we are in a fortunate position that Spotify is providing much needed relief to many families, many people all around the world during this tricky time. Um, And we're seeing trends change and we can get into that a little bit. Uh, Listing habits have certainly shifted and changed, uh, but our business is doing really well. Uh, So we recently announced our earnings just a few weeks ago and we share that we have hit 286 million monthly active users. And so that is a global number. So that's people around the world listening to Spotify. We did see some drop off in consumption, though, during this time. You know, like everyone, people's habits were really disrupted. And so a lot of people, for example, listen to Spotify during their drive time, during their morning commute. And so when morning commutes weren't happening, people weren't getting into their cars. They weren't going to the office. Uh, We certainly saw the impact of that in our consumption habits across the board. Uh, But we have said that that's starting to level off. Um, So there were some markets that were hit harder than others. And we are seeing that start to really come back as people settle into new patterns. Um, During earnings, we said it's it's sort of like every day is the weekend. I know we all feel that. I feel that. Um, And so people are listening more like they would on the weekend and they're listening to different things. Um, But as a community, Spotify also has seen artists be heavily impacted. And so many artists were hit hard by the fact that they couldn't tour, they couldn't play at bars and restaurants, and many summer concerts were canceled. Basically, all summer concerts were canceled. And so we did two things to really reach out to the artist community during this time. Uh, We set up a music relief fund, and that 
helps artists and those around them in need. And so we're partnering with a number of partners around the world. Um, one of those partners um, is a U.S. partner. And so we've got 19 different organizations that you can donate to. We're in 13 different countries with this effort. And we also, in addition to that, have allowed artists to do an artist pick, which enables them to fundraise directly from our user base. And so the way that artists do this is they change their homepage. They're going in and altering their homepage to encourage you to donate to maybe their Square Cash, um, perhaps a GoFundMe page. They could also be choosing an organization, uh, but essentially what they're doing is they're raising money directly from our user base. And we're, we're seeing a great response to that. We've seen millions and millions and millions of people click to donate um, to learn more. And so that's been a wonderful effort. That's amazing. It's great you've been able to turn all that around so quickly. We're a few months into this, but for large global organizations like yours, oftentimes it can be too much to ask for any major efforts to be undertaken in that kind of time. Yeah, for sure. And obviously every company is sort of grappling with this new normal and how do we figure this out? Um, but in our case, people can still stream music so they can still enjoy music and music is providing a great relief. Um, it's been interesting to note the changes in consumption. Um, people are listening to more things that are related to chill music or maybe easy listening. We're also seeing a shift into areas like meditation, um, wellness, mental health is top of mind for people. Uh, Paul, I know that you have children, so no surprise to either one of us. I have two kids as well. People are listening to a lot of kids' music. And so mm -hmm. we launched our Spotify Kids app recently, and that's been very timely for us. Yeah, if I have to hear Baby Shark one more time, I just might not ever sign back on. It is a very young fan favorite. So you've talked a lot about the music industry, and you just mentioned launching your new app. There are a lot of companies that are doing some soul searching right now because of the way their businesses have been disrupted, whether that's their supply chain or their manufacturing, their distribution, or just where their soul is leading to. A lot of companies are trying to answer the question of what business are we in? And Spotify, it seems like maybe in two businesses, you're in music, but you're also a tech company. How do you navigate that? Who are we question? Wow. It's a big one. Um, and first and foremost, I think, as a communications leader, I think it's so important to know who you are. People are always looking for comm specialists to write beautiful words, to communicate strong narratives, but it all comes down to that foundation of who are you? Who do you want to be? What's your North Star as a company? And I'm very fortunate that Spotify definitely has one. And so we have talked a lot about our mission of helping artists to live off of their work. Uh, but in terms of our aspirations overall as a company, our CEO, who's also the founder of Spotify, is a, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Eck. And he has made it quite clear that our goal is to be the world's largest audio streaming service. And so our North Star um, really enables us to think of ourselves in a couple of different ways. And so we certainly are a tech company. The digital technology powers our platform. It enables us to reach our users. It makes the Spotify experience quite exceptional. Um, and so we are a tech company. We have thousands of engineers that work at Spotify. And so we compete against the biggest tech companies in the world for that talent. So we are no, there's no question we are a tech company, but we're, we are a music company. 
when you look at the bread and butter of our platform, it is a music platform. It started that way. Um, we've been in existence for over 10 years. And you really have all the world's music in your pocket. Uh, but in the last year, we've also introduced podcast into the platform in a really big way. We've made some big strategic acquisitions. We've also announced some exclusive podcasts that are coming to Spotify. And so I really think about it as three concentric circles. And so this notion of technology, podcasts, and music. And at the center of that sits audio, which is all-encompassing. It really touches all three. And so I love any opportunity to tell that full holistic story of who Spotify is as an audio company. Uh, but without any one of those three circles, Spotify isn't Spotify. And so without the incredible technology, the platform experience wouldn't be what it is, which enables it to really be best in class. There's no other platform uh, from a technology standpoint that can do what we do because music is our focus day in and day out. Audio is our focus. Uh, but we're really doubling down on podcasts and that's been exciting to watch. And then obviously music is, is the through line. You mentioned Daniel, your CEO. Daniel is somewhat notorious for being press shy and not somebody who seeks out a lot of media attention. Now, how do you, as the chief communications officer, navigate that? Well, press shy is probably an understatement given what we do, Paul. Uh, yes. So there's no question that for any company that's founder-led, and we are founder-led, so Daniel is active. He's in the business day in and day out. I, I speak to him on almost a daily basis. Um, and so we are founder-led. So he very much sets the tone for what we're going to stand for, what we're going to do. And one of the reasons that I came to work for him is that even though he personally doesn't always love engaging in media opportunities and often does shy away from the press, he is incredibly passionate about storytelling and he believes in communication. He understands that for people to buy into something, to believe in something, they have to get it, they have to understand it. And the way he convinced people to license the rights to the music for Spotify was to tell them the story of how he believed he could turn people from basically stealing music through piracy to actually pay for the music that they were consuming. And at the time, the industry sort of scratched its head and said, well, we don't even know if that's possible anymore, given what had happened uh, with sort of the music streaming service so to speak, in terms of what it used to be. And so Daniel's told the story of what he believed it could be. So he has a deep appreciation for communications. He's also incredibly passionate about internal communications, which is a personal passion of mine. And so one of the things he does that several tech companies do, so it's certainly not unique to us, but he does a basically an ask me anything that we call unplugged at Spotify with employees just about every other week where we take any and all questions. Uh, those questions are submitted through a tool called Slido. And so you vote up questions that you want asked. And so it's a very democratic process. So really anything goes in those forums. Um, in addition, we also put out a daily update to employees. And so we spend a lot of time thinking about communication to our own team. And then to his credit, he has come around. He's, he's been on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter recently, he did the cover of Fast Company when we listed publicly. And so what he's opposed to is sort of press for press's sake. Um, he's not looking to have people build up their own egos, uh, but he absolutely does believe in telling the company's story when it makes sense from a business standpoint. Well, it's obviously a compelling story. 
you mentioned you came to work for him specifically, and it's been about three years now since you joined Spotify from Target. Uh, so what have the differences been in the communications functions at both companies? It has almost been three years, which is hard to believe. I, I will always be grateful for my time at Target. I learned so much at that company. I still talk to many of the team there on a regular basis. It was an incredible ride. And I saw that company through some really incredible times. We got to announce a lot of designer collaborations when I was there. We got to launch massive brands like Cat and Jack, which is now a multi-billion dollar brand. Um, and then we also helped shepherd the company through the data breach. And we had to do a massive restructure, which resulted in thousands of layoffs. Um, we expanded into Canada and then we pulled out. And so, yes, it remains an American company today. Um, but of course, they source product from around the world. But I, I really am forever grateful for that experience. And, and Spotify, there are many similarities. And so there is also a heavy focus on team at Target. There's a heavy focus on team at Spotify but lots of differences. I mean, we move really fast at Spotify. It's still in many ways focuses a lot like a startup. And so it's a little bit of like a hold onto your seat because things change really, really quickly. It's a very dynamic working environment. And so much like the big tech companies out there, we move very fast. We try lots of different things. We test things all the time. Some we talk about, some we don't. Um, and we're not afraid to really iterate quickly. One of the other things that I love is that we're really reflecting culture. And so when things happen in the world, like what's happening right now with COVID, it plays out on our platform. And so your daily wellness is one of our most popular playlists. And playlists like dinner party playlists are obviously falling by the wayside because people are not doing that right now. And so it's great to see what trends are happening in the world. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I Paul, have noted that some people are creating playlists about haircutting right now. We're seeing playlists about gardening. And those were topics we never saw. And so people doing playlists about haircutting at home, you know, obviously wasn't a thing even a few months ago. And so we watch the world shift on our platform and it, it's quite fascinating. That really is incredible. It's really a small number of companies in the world that are able to see shifts in consumer behavior so quickly. Obviously, the two big ones that come to mind, Facebook and Google, are caught up in a discussion right now, both at a societal and a political level around this concept of censorship and technology, whether tech companies should be playing a role in censoring content or in some way approving or flagging content that maybe is of questionable veracity. How do you uh, think about that at Spotify? How does that, that um, affect you or impact you? Does Spotify have a position on this topic? I think Trust and safety, and that's how we refer to it internally. So trust and safety. So what's said on our platform, what's said by people who use our platform is something that every single company in the space is thinking about every day. Um, it's certainly a hot topic this week with all the news coming out. Uh, Spotify is in a slightly different position because we're not a social media platform. You know, we don't have open commenting where people can comment. We really are more of a creator platform. And so you're seeing music artists, um, so musicians, professional musicians. You're also seeing podcasters versus like everyday people posting day in and day out. But that being said, obviously, we have to be very mindful of the kind of content on our platform. And so we have a very clear policy in place. We've removed content in the, in the past. And we say we don't hesitate to remove any content that violates our policies. And so you cannot incite violence. You cannot have 
hate speech on our platform. And so we have a, a very clear policy around this. Um, but of course, you know, for, for everyone, this is a risk and it's top of mind and it's something you can never take your eye off the ball. We're always paying attention to it. But we do believe in having a lot of different voices on the platform. I go back to Daniel's ambition to be the world's biggest audio company. And to be the world's biggest audio company, we can't just have voices that we agree with. We can't just have all the people we like. And so the, the platform is a host of lots of different people, lots of different types of music. And we really look to our users to decide what they want to listen to. But there is a line that you cannot cross. I'm reminded of a statistic that Scott Galloway shared. He's obviously a professor of marketing at NYU, uh, who can be somewhat polarizing, but also inspiring. And the statistic he shared was that 74% of Netflix users said they would cancel their subscription if they were made to watch advertising. That may be an exaggerated statistic, but Spotify, you have uh, an ad-supported platform as well as a free version. So what are you seeing in terms of the trends and how that might be changing? Well, one of the beautiful things about Spotify is we give you both options. And so we have a free tier where you can listen to all the world's music. You can listen to podcasts, but you get served that content with advertising. Um, and it's obviously free. And so that's available in 79 markets around the world. And then we also have a paid tier. And so you can pay a price to, depending on what kind of what kind of plan you get. And so we have a family plan where you get multiple subscriptions. So that's what my family has so that my kids can have their own playlists and don't mess with my algorithms. Uh, but we, we have this family plan or the paid tier where you have the opportunity to, to get served all your music content without any advertising. Um, and so it really depends on the user and how they, how they want to engage with the platform. I will say in a time like COVID, though, where we've seen a lot of people be impacted um, by sort of job loss or shifts in the economy or sort of the change in, and we've all seen this play out that's happening around the world, to have that option of a free tier is, is unique to Spotify. And so many of our competitors don't have one. And so we, we have continued to see people shift into free if they have to for some period of time and then, you know, come back to be a subscriber if, if they want to. But it really is left up to them. The other thing I think is important to understand about our business, Paul, is that about 60% of our subscribers start as a free customer. And so they might want to just try it out and see how the service is, see if they like the playlist, see if they like the experience. And so that's a pretty big number. So obviously, that's a really important pool for us when people start as free and then obviously move over into being a, a paying subscriber. Absolutely. So moving in a totally different direction now. You mentioned earlier that Spotify is a global company, and I don't know the exact number of countries you're operating in, but I think we can safely assume it's, it's most 79 markets today. 79 countries. One That's amazing. One of the amazing. things we really focus on a lot at Spotify is like celebrating the cultures uh, that make up our team. And really, we take an approach that I find quite fascinating. And so, of course, we're a very global company, but we refer to our approach as global. And so we're merging the word local and global together. And so we think about things at a global level. So how do we scale? How do we move quickly? How do we ensure that the product makes sense wherever it is in the world? But we also have experts. So we have teams in each of our major markets. And so in my case, I have people sitting all over the world. And we look for them to determine 
whether or not something will make sense in their market. We know it's not a one size fits all. And so the podcast that might be resonating in a place like India or um, in Indonesia, where we're launching nine new podcasts this week alone are going to look different than maybe where they are in the United States. And so we're looking to see what is going to be relevant, what's going to make sense. But the reality is like you have all of the world's music at your fingertips and the Spotify team, the health of the team, the, the community of the team benefits from all those different points of view and all those different cultures coming together. But it's something where we absolutely have to be intentional to hear one another, to celebrate one another, to be kind to one another, to be good to one another. And so it's, it's definitely top of mind for us. That's great. And you opened up a couple of new doors that are really interesting. I definitely want to come back to this idea of intentionality in a minute. The other thing, though, is we're at a time in our industry where, unfortunately, a lot of people have lost their jobs and are looking for future opportunities. They're trying to think about how they can make themselves more marketable as candidates, as professionals. Here, you're in a position where you've grown your team considerably over the last couple of years. You've made a lot of hiring decisions. So I'm curious, what is it you look for when you're hiring somebody? Do you have any advice you would give to people as they try and make themselves marketable as candidates? A great question. I have spoken to several people in the last few weeks, more so than I have really in any time in my career, who have lost their job. And, you know, they range from reporters that I respect and know are really good at what they do uh, to like professionals who are communications professionals who are inside of a company or at a PR firm. And it, it's heartbreaking. I, I have never seen anything like this. And so certainly I'm trying to be helpful to them where I can, trying to connect them to people. Um, and Spotify is in the fortunate position where we've continued to grow our team. And I know that there are several companies that are doing that. And so I'm, I'm trying to help them. But my advice to anyone in this space is first and foremost, when it comes to communications, I've, I always go to, you have to love, like love deep down in your soul, love the art of communication day in and day out. These jobs are hard. I work at night. I work in the morning. I work on the weekend. I go to bed with my phone. I wake up with my phone and I never feel like this is awful. This is miserable. I love it. Do I have to be intentional? Again, using the word about carving out time for my family. Of course I do. I have to create boundaries. I have to push myself, but I love what I do. I love writing. I love storytelling. I love figuring out tricky problems. And so I really think it starts with, do you love the ins and outs of communications? Because you kind of have to in these roles, given how demanding they can be. And then I, I really seek out people who are not afraid of hard work, who are incredibly curious, uh, you know, in, in terms of, I want to learn about this business. I want to I'm willing to cover this issue. The foundational skills of communication might be the same wherever you are. So good writing, good narrative. You know, can you convince a reporter to cover a story? But I think where it gets really interesting is learning the business. That's always been my favorite part. I'll never forget when I was working for Target, I had a chance to go with the team to Asia. And I spent some time in Vietnam to understand our sourcing practices and it was such an eye-opening experience for me. And I had written about sourcing in press releases and in announcements for years. But to be up close and personal in factories and to understand 
the supply chain lines, it was, it was so eye-opening. And so I try as much as possible to spend time with business teams at Spotify, spend time with the engineers to learn the ins and outs of the problems they're solving and how they work and how they get things done. You know, obviously that's a little bit harder right now with us working from home, but I think that curiosity has to be innate in who you are. It's a really hard thing to teach if someone doesn't have it because being really good at this job is all about the questions you ask and probing to go deeper rather than just sort of accepting what someone tells you is the news or the interesting part of a story. And then the last thing that I would mention in addition to sort of hardworking curiosity, you've got to be well-read. So I do my homework every day. So I know that in order to be a trusted expert sitting across from my partners who have been in their spaces. You know, I, I advise the CFO at Spotify. I don't have a business background. I've never been a CFO. He knows far more than I will ever know about the various P&Ls on our business. He's going to know about LTV to SAC ratio, and he's going to throw out terms that are going to seem intimidating to a lot of our employees. And so one of the things I've had to do over time is to really say, I might not ever have his same background, but I've got to read everything I can get up my hands on to learn as much as possible. And so you've got to be incredibly well-read. I subscribe to lots of random business journals and magazine journals, and I sub- subscribe to lots of trades. And that's because I want to learn as much as possible when I'm sitting across from someone so that I can share with them what a competitor has done, what someone else in the space did, what we did a year ago. So also knowing the history of your own business, I think is really important. Well, if there's any time that we all had the wherewithal and the time available to do some reading, I think this is probably That's it. right. That's right. And there's so many great news aggregators out there today. I mean, I start my day with several different ones, and I find that's also incredibly helpful. Definitely. Are there any you would recommend? I love Dylan Byer's newsletter. So that's a new one that I've started reading. I'm a big fan of Dylan's. He's he's a great reporter. Um, I obviously read all the political ones because I'm a former politico. So I'm still a political junkie at heart. And so I pay lots of attention to those. I love everything that the journal is putting out. Um, there are several that I start with. And then as I mentioned, we also write one at Spotify. And so we put one out to the Spotify team each and every day where we're telling them what's happening across the company on that day. And so I, I, I look at ours before I go to bed at night. And then I like to read it when it comes in my inbox the next morning just to make sure we got it all right. That's great. So you mentioned what it takes to be a good communications professional. You were talking about curiosity and probing and going deeper into the story and that does feel like it's a natural seg into this idea of being intentional. But as you were talking, I also looked up the definition of intentional. It's not super clear, actually. The opposite of it is obviously unintentional or to do something by accident. But I don't think that that's what you mean from an antonym standpoint. So, so what do you mean when you say that we need to be intentional in the stories that we tell? Yeah. So when I think about the word intentional, and it's funny, Paul, I don't think I've looked up the exact definition. The way I think about it is we've got to be really clear about the stories we're going to tell, just as we're really clear about the ones we're not. And so when when you have a brand like Spotify, who gets a lot of calls, you could talk to any reporter, you could call them about anything, we could pick any random trend. But instead, we like to look at what do we think is going to move the needle in our business? What do we think will really be impactful to users? 
Where do we think our employees are today? What do they need to hear? And so again, that comes down to, do you understand the landscape? And so that's where that curiosity and being well-read is so important. Because in order to be intentional, you have to know your audience and you have to know what's top of mind for them. You know, one thing we worry a lot about in our space of public relations is being tone deaf. And so obviously we've seen this play out time and time again in social media where brands just get it wrong. And so we were very careful as a brand as we went into um, COVID about what things we would and would not talk about. And so we are telling certain stories and we're not telling certain stories. And maybe it's because we think they're going to be irrelevant or maybe they would be tone deaf. And so I, I do think that a lot of companies just focus on, can I get a lot of press? Can I get a bunch of impressions? And I'm not focused on that as a leader of our team. I'm much more focused on the quality of the coverage. And one of the things I love to see from our team is for them to say, you know, you would ask us to do this thing, but we thought about it. We looked at the landscape and we don't think it makes sense now or at all. And here's why. And I never mind having those conversations. I actually love that debate because it means the team has done their homework and they've been really thoughtful and intentional about what we are and what we are not going to do. That's great. And it sounds like your team feels a sense of empowerment to be able to do that, put that thought into it and bring it to you and tell you what they think about it. So there's a cultural aspect there that I think is really inspiring. It. I feel so fortunate. I have had many moments in my career that I thought I better pinch myself because I want to remember this, you know, whether it was, you know, being a part of a presidential administration and standing in the Oval Office years ago, or um, when I was at Target and we announced a designer collaboration called Miss Sony, um, that this was, it was this wild and crazy time. It sold out immediately. And it's like, wow, we created something special that everyone wanted to be a part of. In fact, it was almost too popular. And then, you know, being at Spotify, there are so many moments where I pinch myself, but I pinch myself to work with this amazing team that I work with. And I do empower them because they're really, really, really good. And I think that's how you earn the trust of of any leader. And so I feel fortunate that the CEO gives me a lot of autonomy and I can in turn give that to my team. But it's also because we're highly accountable. So not everything is going to go right. We all know that. And we own it when something doesn't. And that happens. It absolutely happens. And so we're not afraid to own it and then pivot quickly. We also, as a team, move really fast. And so we'll try something. And if it didn't get the desired outcome, we'll pivot and try something else. And I'm not afraid of that. But we're also good. And so we we have established ourselves as trust, trusted partners within the business at Spotify. And that happens over time by delivering solid results time and time again. And it's just a really smart bunch. They work super, super hard um, and they know their markets. And so, as I said, we have people around the world. And so on my team, someone sits in Berlin, someone sits in Paris, someone sits in Dubai. And so we really are you know, we recently um, launched India. And so we have a woman who leads our India business from India. So we really are reflective of the global cultures that we represent. And so they're going to know their market far better than I'm going to know their market. They're going to know what's going to resonate, what's not going to resonate. And and so you have to hire people that are really great and that you're willing to trust, or it just makes this job impossible. I love the focus on the ability to be nimble and pivot quickly. 
course, that's one of the things people say about companies like Spotify is your success is rooted in that agility. Here we are at a time when every other brand in America has been struggling with some version of whatever plan they had in place was completely thrown out the window somewhere around the beginning of March. And you guys have done a lot of really impressive events and activations before that. I mean, you, you decked out New York subways to celebrate Prince. You had a big David Bowie partnership with the Brooklyn Museum. These are all things that uh, had to happen in the physical world. So how have you and your team been pivoting and adjusting to this virtual quarantine reality? Well, we're all still figuring it out. I would love to say, oh, we've got it all figured out. It's been simple. Um, Some parts of it, we were already established as a global working team. And so our team huddles every single day. And obviously, given that we sit around the world, um, that's a quick sort of 25-minute touch base that we have every day. And so in the case of Asia, they're going to bed or it's even overnight their time. And then obviously in the case of Europe, it's the middle of the day for them. And then in the case of the US, depending on where you sit. So for me, it's around nine o'clock. For our teams in LA, you know, it's six in the morning. But we all commit to sort of showing up because it's how we pass the baton between one another. It's how we ensure that we're ready for whatever is the next day announcement. It's how we know what kind of articles we've got coming in, what kind of calls we're getting from the media, what's happening with the global employee base. And so that's a really important touch point. And so because we're all so global, that meeting was already essentially a virtual meeting. The big difference for me is that I'm not running to commute to World Trade Center and not going into an office where I'm touching a button. You know, I'm doing it all from home. And so I've met people's children and cats and animals and seen their workplaces. Um, I've met their spouses in a way that I haven't before. And so it's been an interesting experiment in that respect. But it's also been disappointing. I'm sure every company feels that in some ways. You know, we had some really big events planned where we've had to pivot and do them very differently. We've had to cancel events that we've spent hours and hours and hours planning where we had hundreds of people slated to attend you know, obviously we watched the music industry really struggle and that has been something that we've all sort of desired to reach out and support them in, in many different ways. And as I said, we've tried. And so like everyone, we're all trying to figure this out. I do feel fortunate that at Spotify, we were conditioned to working already this way. And so as a result, you know, I just picked up my laptop and moved it somewhere else. Um, so it was really quite quite simple. Uh, But we also are getting ready to launch our podcast. So we're getting ready to launch a Spotify podcast. Um, And we had obviously planned to do that from a beautiful studio where we could all work on it for weeks. And we're now doing it remotely from our homes. And given it's Spotify, we know the bar is high in terms of the quality news content that you would expect from us. And so as a team, this is a big undertaking already. But a project that like that just got about 10 times harder. And so there are many things we're having to work through. And there are projects like that one that we're all sort of scrambling around. Uh, but for the most part, I'm really proud of how we've made the transition. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you had ways of working in place that really enabled you for this experience. You guys also recently launched a marketing campaign called Listening Together, which is a microsite you set up that shows people who are listening to the same song at the same time around the world, which is really just really cool. I love that one. It really goes to this notion that music is borderless. 
I mean, I remember traveling as a kid and you would go to different parts of the world and it's like you could only hear that music there. You could only feel that vibe there. You could only feel that level of, of excitement there. And so what Spotify has enabled is that we can truly all listen together. And it's amazing. You know, my my parents are in Texas. And so I love to share things back and forth with them. And my dad sort of, when I went to Spotify, was scratching his head a little bit. He's in his 70s and he he sort of didn't get it. He was like, okay, I'll, I'll listen. He didn't understand playlists. But now that we've introduced podcasts, we can both listen to a podcast and then talk about it. And so I really think Spotify can serve as this great connector. And the reality about music is it does help you heal. It brings you up. It brings you joy. It helps you come together. So it's a really powerful, it's a really powerful thing, especially in a time like this one. Absolutely. And one last question. You guys have Spotify for brands. Now we have a lot of people listening who are in brand marketing or communications roles. So I wonder if you might just talk for a few minutes about what Spotify for Brands is all about and why they might think about looking you guys up. Oh, it's a great one. I love this one, Paul. It gives me a chance to brag on the opportunity to work with our team. So as I mentioned, Spotify has a paid tier and a free tier. I do think it's also important to note that all podcasts have advertising partners within them. And so when you listen to a podcast, you know, often there'll be host read ads. And so you might not notice that you're hearing an ad, but whether or not you're on the free or paid tier, you're going to be listening to ads on podcasts. But our Spotify for Brands team is really looking for ways to bring advertising partners to our platform. And so we work with a number of different brands and we've done some really cool things. And so we've created entire podcasts that teach children how to brush their teeth, um, working with a brand partner there. Uh, we will work with brands to take over an entire podcast for a season if they want to do that. So we've worked with a number of different partners, but obviously we're in 79 markets. And I, I said this at the top, but I would just say it again. We reach more than 286 million people around the world. And one of the other beautiful things about Spotify is that the engagement is really high. So it's not like we just reach them because they listen once. We reach them because they listen again and again and again and again. And so we know that the consumption time on our platform is incredibly high. We also, you know, really understand our listeners because we can see what music they listen to. We have insight into what podcasts they're listening to. And so beyond just being able to reach people by, you know, rough demographics like you know, Dusty's a female, and she's got two children, you're able to really understand listening habits. And so obviously there's a lot that can be gleaned from that. Um, but we, we really are growing our advertising business, you know, like every company. And we just talked about this on a recent earnings call. Our ads business was definitely impacted during COVID. Uh, but, you know, obviously with 286 million users around the world, there's a lot of people that you can reach if you're a brand and you're interested in partnering with us. Well, that's amazing. And I'm sure there are a lot of brands that are interested in that. So Dusty, look, you've been very generous and shared a lot of great insights. So let me just say thank you on behalf of Provoke Media. It was a pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. And you take really good care out there. And you too. All righty. Here's always our three key takeaways from this conversation with Dusty Jenkins. Number one, 
Be press shy, or at least press selective. Daniel Eck, Spotify CEO, is notorious for being press shy. But upon closer inspection, it's clear that Daniel is simply highly selective about what he talks to the press about, which is actually extremely strategic. As a result of this practice, people pay more attention to his announcements because they're usually exciting and meaningful. The practice of foregoing press for press sake also gives Daniel more focus and energy to spend on internal communications. Which brings me to number two, double down on internal communications. Spotify's always been very focused on internal comms and transparency, two qualities that have become significantly more important in today's very uncertain times. Spotify takes transparency so seriously that they even have coordinated a way for any of their staff to ask their CEO, Daniel, anything they want, and to do so anonymously using an app called Slider which allows a Reddit-like function to upvote and downvote questions. Number three, use your mission to move mountains. Before becoming the behemoth audio platform that it is today, Spotify had to start off by individually going to all of the major record labels to convince them to license their artist on Spotify's platform. That's an incredibly Herculean task, especially considering that many of those music labels considered Spotify to compete with record sales at the time. Daniel accomplished this primarily by explaining his mission against piracy with enough passion and purpose and the rest is Spotify history. This story is indicative of how the communications function goes above and beyond press and how the right mission can enable your company to transcend extremely daunting, even seemingly impossible tasks. So really work on that mission statement because you never know where it can ultimately take your company. Anyway, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you shared it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about Lippy Taylor, visit us at LippyTaylor.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.